This podcast is designed to provide helpful information on the subjects discussed and should not be used to diagnose or treat any medical condition. For diagnosis or treatment of any medical problem, consult your own licensed physician or healthcare provider. Welcome to Prostate Cancer Aware. I'm Jonathan Chance. Thank you so much for joining me. This month is September, which is Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. And that is why on this episode, I'm going to have a very special guest who will be providing us with some very important information about prostate cancer, the risk factors, the PSA tests, the types of different biopsies, and so much more. This is a Prostate Cancer Aware episode that is a must listen for everyone. Joining me now on the phone is Dr. Gregory Merrick, who is an internationally recognized uro-oncology expert and the director of the Urologic Research Institute at The Ohio University Medical School. Dr. Merrick is also the doctor who diagnosed and treated me for prostate cancer. He is a dear friend of mine, and I'm honored to have him with me on this special episode for Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. Dr. Merrick, welcome to Prostate Cancer Aware. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. I'm honored to be here. Well, it is so nice to have you back as a guest because, as I just mentioned, September is Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, and we have been getting emails and social media posts from men with questions and concerns about prostate cancer so hopefully we can address those as well as raise awareness about prostate cancer and the PSA test. Dr. Merrick, I'd like to start this episode by having you explain what is prostate cancer? Well, all cancers are an abnormal proliferation or growth of normal tissues. And as men age, they become at greater risk for uh, developing uh, prostate cancer. And when found in the earliest stages, it's extremely uh, curable and only rarely results in death. And uh, in modern um, medicine, not all cases require um, uh, treatment. Active surveillance is, is often utilized. Um, people need to be aware of risk factors. The older you are, the more likely that you will develop uh, prostate cancer, race. Of course, blacks double the incidence of whites. Is there a family history, first-degree relatives, uh, two relatives diagnosed before the age of 55? Um, we're now going to play more role on genetics and looking at uh, germline mutations. Um, Obesity may play a role here. And of course, if there's a family history of breast, pancreas, or ovarian cancer, that also increases a gentleman's risk of developing prostate cancer. When you diagnosed me with prostate cancer four years ago, like most men, I was unaware of the disease or the screening tests for prostate cancer. Plus, as a reporter, whenever I covered prostate cancer events, all I would hear is that it is an old man's disease that you get it in your senior years. Yet I was a relatively young man in my 50s when I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Because of this, I want you to tell us how important early detection is and about some of the screening tests like the PSA test, which I believe saved my life. Well, I first like to uh, uh, hit what you discussed first is it's a disease of old men. 
And of course, the older we are, the more likely you are to develop prostate cancer. Uh, but if you look at the median age of diagnosis of prostate cancer at 66 years, breast cancer, 63 years, colorectal cancer is 67 years, lung cancer is 70 years. We don't see people saying, don't worry about breast or colorectal cancer because it's a disease of, of old men and or women. Uh, so the age of onset, or at least the age of diagnosis, is comparable for all of the major uh, malignancies that I just outlined. Um, PSA screening changed significantly in the late uh, 1980s, uh, early 1990s with the onset of PSA. And PSA is a simple uh, blood test. Uh, it's a pro it's a protein um, produced by the prostate gland, uh, and it's increased in the blood for cancer, but it's also increased because of BPH, benign enlargement, that is, infection and inflammation, and it can also be decreased by certain medications, and that has to be taken into account during screening. It can be decreased by Avidart, Proscar, which men often receive for prostate enlargement, uh, obesity, you get a dilution effect, and even some routine uh, drugs like hydrochlorothiazide for high blood pressure and statins for high cholesterol, long-term use can also artificially decrease PSA. So when a gentleman begins PSA screening, uh, all of these things have to be taken in, into account uh, to determine what is and what is not a significant PSA determination. I was 57 when I was diagnosed with prostate cancer, but I've also gotten emails from men who have gotten it in their early 50s and in their 40s. Tell us how frequent and at what age should men start getting a PSA blood test? The youngest man I've ever diagnosed with prostate cancer, I believe was 29 years of age with a very strong family history. Ideally, I like to see a PSA at age 40. You don't normally. The reason is that that's a true PSA. Uh, it's not contaminated by BPH. Benign enlargement doesn't begin until the early 40s, so you get a true um, uh, value of what your, your PSA is and your potential risk. If the PSA is over 0.7 nanogram per mil at age 40, those gentlemen have 12 times the risk of prostate cancer uh, in their lifetime compared to men who have a, a PSA at that age less than 0 0.7. Uh, so I like that. And if it's that low, if it's low, lower than 0 0.7, I think you're safe to wait till 50 to begin uh, to screen. Uh, the interval, how often they should be done is also a point of, of, of contention. Um, the problem with is that in primary care offices, not everybody is computerized. Um, not everything has form uh, or formal protocols. And if you don't do them every year, then sometimes they get they get lost also. So the earlier you can start, maybe back to age 50, the better PSA will be at detecting early stage prostate cancer. When we screen for prostate cancer, it's also important to understand that we will overdiagnose the disease. And that's why diagnosis and treatment have to be uncoupled and not all men need treatment active surveillance is a very preferred option for a selective men since we are talking about the psa test i, I want to talk about something you've told me about psa velocity now 
I've gotten emails from men who tell me their doctor did their PSA and it was like a 0.50. Then a year later, it was a 1. Then the next year, a 2. And now it's up to 4.5. I want you to tell us about PSA velocity, what this means, and what men need to know. Well, the, the scenario that you outlined is clear. It's a clear progression. But it's important that men understand that you should never make clinical decisions on an isolated PSA because PSAs can um, uh, vary from natural causes. There could be infection. So if there is an abnormal PSA, it should be repeated in six weeks or so um, uh, to ensure that it really is abnormal. But two things to look at are PSA velocity, which is how fast the PSA increases over time, and the other is PSA density, uh, which is the PSA divided by the size of the prostate gland. And both of these can help predict who may uh, eventually need to undergo a prostate biopsy. If you have a rapid PSA velocity, that's concerning. The gentleman that you just outlined that went from, I think, a half a point to, to four over the period of a couple of years, that's a, that's a concern. That gentleman needs additional workup, um, uh, ideally uh, to consist of an MRI, uh, and then deciding from there what the next steps would be. PSA density is another um, uh, indicator uh, of potential prostate cancer. And if it's below 0.15, and then it's probably of less concern than it is if it's greater than that. Um, the greater the PSA density, once again, more likely there could be prostate cancer. There's also now an onset of secondary screening tests that can be used. And one of the ones that I'm excited about is ECHO-DX, which is a urine test. It does not require a prostate massage, but it's indicated for men that, that are over the age of 50 with a PSA between 2 and 20. And it's scored 0 to 100. The cut point is 15.6. If it's above uh, 15.6, then there's an increased risk of prostate cancer. So there's other biomarkers that are emerging that can be combined with PSA to further help determine uh, what the risk of prostate cancer is. There is another test that doctors do, and I want to touch on this because usually along with the PSA test, a doctor may do a DRE, a digital rectal exam. Now, before I saw you, I had two different doctors do a DRE, and both doctors told me it was normal. Then you did a DRE on me, and immediately when I left the room to change my clothes, you turned to my wife and said, Jonathan's DRE is abnormal, and I can tell you he definitely has prostate cancer. So I want you to talk about the DRE and how different doctors can have a different result and why you shouldn't solely rely on this test. Well, digital rectal examinations are very important, but unfortunately, primary care physicians are doing them less and less and less. And it's like anything else. If you don't do them all the time, you're not going to be very good at assessing. So I would strongly recommend that primary care physicians uh, do digital rectal examinations, but only if they do them on a routine basis and if they um, uh, have been trained to do such. Um, if you use the DRE alone, that's a poor 
staging test. It, it doesn't pick up early cancer. It only picks up cancer that is clinically uh, significant. You're feeling nodules or even potentially cancer outside the gland in, in the seminal um, vesicles. When combined with a PSA, uh, it's even more uh, important. It increases the positive predictive value of, of diagnosing prostate cancer. So the DRE should never be used alone. It should not be uh, undertaken by uh, clinicians who don't do it all the time. Um, and it should be combined with a PSA for optimal screening. If a doctor, especially a urologist, suspects a man may have prostate cancer, they might suggest doing a transrectal biopsy in order to check for the presence of cancer cells. However, there is another type of biopsy that men should know about, which I'd like you to talk about, as well as explain the differences between the way they are done and the risk for infection between the two. Well, the, the two main biopsy approaches are a transrectal, and that does not require a man to bend over. It's done on a man laying on his side with his knees pulled up to his chest. Or a transperineal, which gains access in between the scrotum and the anus, the skin between the legs. And there is marked controversy as to which is superior. Uh, the Europeans um, have a, a series called uh, Trexit which is trying to eliminate transrectal biopsies, and I eliminated transrectal biopsies at my institution. And the reason is with transperineal, the risk of serious infection, meaning sepsis, which is a blood infection, is virtually zero. Uh, there's much greater access to all aspects of the prostate gland, especially the apex and the anterior part of the gland. So I, I believe that you get much more thorough uh, sampling. Um, traditionally, uh, transperineal biopsies have been done in the in the operating room, but they don't need to be. Uh, we did a lot in the office with uh, local anesthesia, and they do just as well uh, in the office as a transrectal would be, but uh, with fewer side effects and much better access and delineation of uh, of what's happening in that gland. Dr. Merrick, the number one question men ask me, in fact, I was just asked this question yesterday. The question is, if they are diagnosed with prostate cancer, does that mean removal of the prostate and chemotherapy? Now, I know every situation is different, but would you tell us about the different treatment options for treating prostate cancer and how in some cases no treatment is even necessary? The diagnosis and treatment of prostate cancer have been uncoupled which means in the past you had prostate cancer and you got treatment. Now that's not necessarily true. A reasonable number of men with slow-growing prostate cancers, Gleason group one or Gleason score six, same thing, uh, are best treated with no treatment, with active surveillance, with close monitoring, and treatment only initiated if there is any uh, evidence of progression. Uh, if it's more aggressive than that, there's multiple treatment options for clinically localized prostate cancer to include surgical removal, brachytherapy, the surgical implantation of radioactive seeds, or even uh, temporary sources, uh, and external beam radiation therapy uh, via image-guided techniques. And all three of those result in high probabilities of cure. Now, 
up front in the curative setting, chemotherapy is not used. It is not standard. Some men, however, will receive androgen deprivation therapy, often called hormonal therapy, uh, to improve the outcomes. So the key is after diagnosis, uh, there's no immediate threat. Uh, this is not a heart attack where if you're not treated today, you're dead. Uh, there's more than enough time to assess all reasonable options and to outline uh, a plan of attack and decide who you're going to hire to treat your malignancy. So don't rush. Take time. Do reading. See multiple physicians. Um, and uh, then come to a consensus. This is the month of September, which is Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, and this show has been all about making men aware of prostate cancer, the tests, the risk factors, and the treatments. To wrap up this episode, I want you to tell our listeners about the importance of getting a PSA blood test for diagnosing prostate cancer. It's essential. The best prospective randomized data we have shows that PSA screening beginning at age 50 to 55 reduces prostate cancer mortality by 41% at 22 years. Dr. Merrick, this has been a very informative podcast for Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. I can't thank you enough for the information you have provided us and for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us for this episode of Prostate Cancer Aware. Thank you very much for having me, Jonathan. I look forward to coming back. That's going to do it for this edition of Prostate Cancer Aware. Because this is Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, I really hope you will tell your friends and family members to listen to this very informative podcast because all men are at risk for prostate cancer. Also, if you'd like more information about prostate cancer, early detection, men's health, or my new book, Unaware, which is about my battle with prostate cancer, check out the show notes on this podcast for the link to our website. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Just click on the show notes for our website and how to contact us. And be advised, I do read all emails, so feel free to reach out and say hello or ask us a question for an upcoming show. I'm Jonathan Chance. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, stay aware and stay healthy. This podcast is designed to provide helpful information on the subjects discussed and should not be used to diagnose or treat any medical condition. For diagnosis or treatment of any medical problem, consult your own licensed physician or healthcare provider.